Welcome to IWG Radio, the place to be for all of your wellness needs. Hey there, Dr. Nicole from Integrative Wellness Group in Belmar, New Jersey. Hi, Dr. Nick here. Clinical nutritionist, Brooke. I am Dr. Kyle. You are listening to IWG Radio, the place to be for all of your wellness needs. Welcome back to another episode of IWG Radio. My name is Brooke and I am the clinical nutritionist at Integrative Wellness Group. And I'm here with Dr. Nicole, our functional medicine physician. And today we wanted to bring you some information on high histamine versus food allergies. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're probably thinking, what the heck is histamine? You might not know much about it or what it does. You may have heard of it in terms of a seasonal allergy or um, maybe even with regard to a food allergy. So we wanted to clear up some of the information for you today and help out anybody who may be experiencing some of these symptoms. So I'd like to welcome Dr. Nicole and I would like to have her introduce just a little bit of information about what we do here at Integrative Wellness Group. Hey there everyone, so Dr. Nicole here um, and like Brooke said, I am the functional medicine physician here and Brooke and I work side by side helping people with various different symptoms that they may be experiencing over the course of time. So functional medicine, we really strive to decipher the different symptoms that you may be experiencing by doing very specific lab testing and then figuring out the root cause of those symptoms and then being able to set you up on a holistic program in order to resolve those symptoms and get you feeling better than you ever have. So let's talk about histamine today and what it is and what really are the key functions within the body. Yeah, I think uh, histamine is something that we may have heard of in reference to antihistamines, so something like a Benadryl, and there's a lot of other different types of antihistamines out there, and typically we're grabbing for something like that in the event that maybe we ate the wrong thing and we started to experience some swelling or hives or itchiness, um, and then we might even be grabbing for something like that in the event that we're having really bad seasonal allergies. Um, but overall with histamine, there's a, a quite a few different things that it does in the body and not always is it necessarily creating that type of response. Uh, histamine is in charge of our muscle contraction. It's also one of the primary neurotransmitters in the body, so it plays a very big role on the uh, nervous system. It also plays a role on the brain, which is also part of the nervous system. And one of the primary things that it does is it actually defends us from bacteria and viruses. And that is one of the reasons why you might experience that, you know, quote unquote histamine response, AKA the swelling, AKA the, um, you know, uh, rash, as well as nasal congestion, itchy skin. All of those can be in part because histamine goes up because you were exposed to something like bad bacteria or um, virus as well. So it's not always just solely a histamine response that might be coming from food. I'm glad that you mentioned that it's something that's naturally occurring and something that we need in the body because I think this is really a reoccurring theme with anything that we really talk about is certain things that, that are in the body naturally are good when they're at moderate levels. Mm -hmm. And when they start to become raised, if they're triggered by something in the environment, if they're triggered by something that we eat and they start to raise, that's when we start to get those symptoms. Mm -hmm. So I know you mentioned like the itchy skin and the swelling and the hives. 
Um, are there any other things? I know something like nausea could even be mm-hmm. a, a side effect. So just mentioning all of those and making sure we're covering, covering the ground so that everybody knows a little bit more about that. Yeah, you definitely can have gastrointestinal manifestations. You could have indigestion. You can have um, even abdominal pain. That's not the most common, but indigestion, I would say, is a little bit more common. Um, you can definitely have nasal congestion. You can even have chest pain. Um, you can have anxiety. Your blood pressure can drop. Um, and then also you can even have um, something a little bit more severe than just um, like hives and itching, which I know that some people are like, no, that's severe. Um, I've had plenty of people come through my doors that have had hive breakouts, and I know that they are not um, a fun experience. But, um, but even it can be something in part that contributes to eczema, which is you know usually more longstanding than hives. Hives usually will come and go based off of you know the elevations in histamine and then when they drop it'll go back to normal but um but it has been known to play a very big role in eczema as well so with regard to actual true food allergies can you explain a little bit more about the difference between those two things yeah definitely um and i think this is actually really really important because i've had a lot of people come through my doors that talk about different food allergies that they have and they talk about certain histamine foods that they consume and that they feel maybe um, an itchiness at the back of their throat or they feel their uh, mouth goes a little bit numb or they get tingling in their tongue or they get a runny nose and they're pretty much describing this as an immediate onset and with histamine Uh, or a histamine response, that's actually not what happens. Um, Typically, if you're having that immediate onset response, that is a food allergy. And what it's classified as, as an IgE food allergy. And that really, that type of food allergy is an immediate onset allergy. So, you know, you eat something and you're gonna have an immediate response. Some of those immediate onset allergies can be really severe. So if you've ever heard of somebody who ate the peanut and their throat closed up and they had to be rushed to the hospital, that is also another category of an immediate onset. But a histamine response actually takes quite a few hours to um, show any symptoms. And you know, I heard an example and I, I, I felt like it made a lot of sense. It, it's almost like you're filling the bucket with water and you fill it over the course of time. And then by the time that it fills all the way to the top and it starts to spill over, that's when you start to feel the symptoms. And it's the same thing. It's, you know, the food goes into your system and it slowly raises those histamine levels. And once it gets past the threshold, that's when you're going to have a response. And again, it could go back to some of those symptoms that we mentioned before but it's not typical that you will have immediate onset symptoms from histamine foods. So how would somebody know that they would have a problem with histamine versus a food allergy? Like what type of testing or analysis would you recommend if someone were to come in with those symptoms? There's definitely a couple different ways that you can go to just evaluate your histamine levels on their own. Um, If you've ever had blood work done and your basophils were elevated on your blood work, uh, don't get me wrong, basophils are are indicators for various different things. It can even be an an indicator for parasites at high enough levels. Um, And obviously you have to do backup testing to solidify that. But basophils being elevated on your blood sometimes can be in correlation with high histamine levels. 
Another test that actually measures histamine directly is if you do a urine-based, uh, or I'm sorry, urine-based neurotransmitter panel, and that will give you um, your histamine levels amongst your other neurotransmitters. So you can also see if you have elevated histamine levels on that type of panel. And one of the most um, accurate, and I think the most effective in treatment, is looking at genetics. And there is an amazing company called 23andMe that you can order a genetic test rather, um, or it's actually uh, rather inexpensive. And through that type of testing, you're gonna get a lot of information about your genetic mutations. But if you have any type of genetic um, predisposition in what you call the DAO pathway, then that has to do, or that can contribute to your DAO enzymes not working as well. Those are the primary enzymes that help you to break down histamine. So if you don't have um, proper functioning DAO enzymes, then the histamine builds up and then your body doesn't really have the ability to break it down. So that is definitely something that you would wanna have information about if you do feel like you are suffering from histamine types of responses or if you've noticed that you've had high histamine levels on a previous like neurotransmitter panel or something like that. The DAO enzyme plays a very big role in your histamine tolerance essentially. So if somebody has a genetic mutation in their DAO pathway and their enzymes aren't working properly, is that going to affect different areas of the body as well? Overall, it's primarily going to affect their histamine breakdown, but um, for any of you that may be listening and feel like you do or know that you do have a histamine issue, if you're a woman and you've had a child, and if you notice during your pregnancy that you actually had no issues with any um, histamine foods and you had no issues with hives and you had no issues with any types of rashes or typical symptoms that you would have you know, when you were not pregnant, that's uh, because the placenta actually releases tons of DAO during your pregnancy. So you'll actually see most of your allergies or high histamine symptoms resolve completely while you're pregnant. So is there any connection with the DAO or histamine itself with hormones? Definitely. Um, I know that through my own clinical practice, I have a lot of women that mention, I notice my hives and I notice my um, you know, itchy skin more so around my ovulation time and my cycle. And estrogen is something that will amp up the levels of histamine. So you might notice, I don't have hives all the time, but I do notice that I have them more within you know, the week to two weeks before my cycle. So are there any other external factors that might affect histamine levels? Yeah, there are actually some medications that can definitely raise histamine levels as well. So you might notice an onset of some of the symptoms that we mentioned if you take something like an NSAID, which is, you know, your traditional, um, you know, Motrin, Advil, um, you know, different types of over-the-counter pain medication. Uh, you might notice it if you take a diuretic, um, an antibiotic, and even some types of antidepressants. Um, some of those medications have been known to raise histamine levels as well. Um, so if you take it and you notice, you know, you start to break out in hives, um, you're not necessarily having an allergy to the medication. You might just uh, be having a raise in that histamine level as well. Well, that seems to make sense too because something like an, an antidepressant is going to change levels 
with your brain chemicals and the hormones in your brain. So if histamine is something that is affecting those as well, it seems to kind of make sense that some of those things might kind of overlap like that. Definitely. So you also mentioned earlier that there is some type of response having to do with exposure to a bacteria or a virus, and how is that affecting our immune system and the histamine as well? Well, uh, the histamine definitely plays a role in helping us combat and defend ourselves against bacteria and viruses. And, uh, you know, one of the most abundant areas in our bodies for bacteria and virus is definitely going to be in our gastrointestinal system. So there actually has been known types of bacteria that subside within the gastrointestinal tract that can convert histidine into histamine. And then, you know, that conversion can also create an overabundance of histamine within the gut, which can create inflammation in that specific part of the body. But then in the event that maybe somebody has um, a damaged gastrointestinal system and things from the gut are passing into the blood, which is what we call leaky gut, which we have done in a previous podcast on, um, that can also now allow this histamine to travel into the blood and create, you know, an overabundance of the histamine in the blood, which then creates that whole cascade of, you know, the hives, the possible chest pain, indigestion, itchy skin, lowering the blood pressure. So um, you can definitely have some gastrointestinal symptoms if it resides just in the gut, um, or it can manifest, um, you know, back into those other symptoms that we mentioned if it does get into the bloodstream. So we talked about a a lot of different areas of the body that can be affected by histamine or raise histamine levels, but I want to talk about the foods really that we're putting into our body. That's something that we can definitely have a little more control over. So let's elaborate a little more on that. Yeah, definitely. The, there's a, a whole array of different foods that are classified as high histamine foods. And typically, if you are experiencing any of these symptoms that we're talking about today, then you may be avoiding these foods altogether. And, um, you know, one of the things that I, I've recently read up on, I found to be very, very interesting, but it has to do with fish and it has to do with, um, you know, the whole process from catching the fish to how it's preserved before it is actually eaten. And what I mean by that is the longer a fish will go um, after being caught and then killed essentially, so the longer a dead fish will go without being gutted will increase the histamine levels. So it will actually double the histamine every 20 minutes that it is not alive but not gutted. And I found that to be really, really interesting because we don't really have the most control over our food industry. And you know, half the time we, when we go to a grocery store, we don't know where our fish is coming from. So I found that that was really, really interesting in the fact that you know, if you're not catching the fish you know, and gutting it immediately, then there is a possibility that there is an astronomical amount of histamine within that fish. And then you also have to think about shellfish because you might eat shellfish, and I feel like I hear this a lot. A lot of people say, oh, I have an allergy to shellfish. And shellfish, they're not gutted. They're, you know, they're typically just not gutted. That's, you know, the the style of the fish. So if you're eating something like shellfish, you may not necessarily be having a food allergy. You may be having a histamine problem because those types of fish, again, are not gutted normally. So keeping that in mind is if you do classify yourself as someone who has a histamine problem or a histamine intolerance, 
then you might want to consider trying fish, but, you know, trying fish that was maybe freshly caught um, as well as, you know, gutted by whoever caught it. So if you have friends that are fishermen, go hang out with them. <laughs> um, but I think that that's definitely an important part of the puzzle. The other thing, too, is I mentioned before how there's different microorganisms um, in the gut that can convert histidine into histamine. So this same exact concept uh, carries over for fermented foods. And what I mean by that is most fermented foods go through microbial fermentation. So this is everything from alcohol to um, pickled vegetables to processed meats, cheese, and even some uh, forms of milk and other dairy. So these different types of foods going through a microbial fermentation might also have an overabundance of histamine because of that conversion of the histidine to histamine. So these are also foods you want to be really cautious with if you do feel like you're having some of these histamine symptoms. Um, there's also some other foods that are a little bit less assuming, different things like citrus fruits, um, strawberries, as well as raspberries, tomatoes, um, some tree fruits like apricot, cherries, plums. So there's definitely quite, array, quite an array of different types of foods that are known to be high in histamine. Um, but it gets a little bit tricky when you are dealing with these symptoms and then you go on this low histamine diet to avoid all of these histamine rich foods. Sometimes you are going to see improvement and sometimes you won't. And this really comes back to the conversation about that DAO enzyme, because if you have very low functioning DAO pathways um, genetically, then you don't really have sufficient amounts of, amount of enzymes in order to break down um, the histamine within the body. Because like we talked about before, you're not just getting histamine from food, your body is naturally making histamine. So if you're making histamine and your body can't break down the excess because those DAO enzymes don't work, then that is also going to be um, problematic. So it's definitely important to know if those pathways work properly so that you can best support your body and then you know supplement with the right types of enzymes in order to decrease the overabundance of histamine in the body. So if somebody presents to you with some of these symptoms, and some of our, our listeners might be, what would be kind of your first steps as to finding out exactly what's going on and then kind of moving forward into really what you would do to support them? Definitely. Um, the, you know, first and foremost, you want to rule out any type of gastrointestinal issues. And what I mean by that is, you know, checking to see if there is any of those microbes in the gut, if it's bacteria or if it's a yeast organism or even parasites that could be creating more of that um, abundance of histamine within the body. So that's kind of first and foremost is ruling in or out any type of um, gut dysbiosis. And then you also want to, you know, look at the difference between is this truly food allergies or is this histamine um, issues? So a food allergy panel can be very, very useful, um, you know, with determining if there is anything that they are truly having a food allergy to, but then also measuring their histamine levels through that neurotransmitter panel, which is urine-based, um, and then doing some genetic testing as well in order to check to see where their DAO enzymes are at. If they do show up that they don't have high histamine levels, 
on the neurotransmitter panel, then I probably wouldn't necessarily go forward with the genetic testing because at that point we have ruled out that histamine is not their problem. Uh, so it's really just a matter of having more clarity on the gut and then having more clarity on the abundance of histamine through that neurotransmitter panel and then going from there. I think that's great too because I think the testing really speaks for itself in saying you know what exactly is going on and it really allows us to get to that root cause of really what's going on and, and less guesswork and you know getting you better sooner with uh, with less trial and error. Yeah. So I always tell people you don't know what you don't know and you get a lot of clarity from doing the testing and you really just know exactly what your body needs and then you can support it more effectively and like Brooke said, you can do things a lot faster as well. And I think that's important for people that have been suffering for a long time. So as a special bonus for you, we did want to offer you a free 15-minute strategy call with me, and I think it would be really great for us to kind of sit down and talk about what's going on with you. Is this something that might be related to histamine? Is it possibly a food allergy? Is it possibly something else that you're experiencing? We're also going to attach a comprehensive list of all of the high histamine foods. So you have that as a resource and you know you can kind of use that for some trial and error if you do feel like you related to this podcast. But the best thing going forward is to really just, you know, schedule your call with Brooke so that you can, you know, really learn more about, you know, what might be going on with you and get that clarity so that um, you're not necessarily having a limited diet without necessarily even having a histamine issue. Um, But we thank you so much for listening and until next time. See you next time. Bye-bye.